Hi, this is Jill Harrison, Executive Director of the National Institute on Aging Impact Collaboratory at Brown University. Welcome to the Impact Collaboratory Grand Rounds podcast. We're here to give you some extra time with our speakers and ask them the interesting questions that you want to hear most. If you haven't already, we hope you'll watch the full Grand Rounds webinar recording to learn more. All of the companion Grand Rounds content can be found at impactcollaboratory.org. Thanks for joining. So welcome everyone and thank you for being here. My name is Ab Brody and I am an Associate Professor of Nursing and Medicine at the Hartford Institute for Geriatric Nursing at NYU and the Pilot Corps Lead of the NIA Impact Collaboratory. We have with us today the first two awardees of pilot grants from the Impact Collaboratory. Dr. Brent Forrester, who's the Chief of the Division of Geriatric Psychiatry at McLean Hospital and Harvard Medical School, and the Medical Director for Behavioral Health in the Center for Population Health Management at MGH Brigham. We also have with us Dr. Riola Wong, who is a Professor of Emergency Medicine at Yale University School of Medic uh, Medicine. So thank you both for being with here. Thank you both for being here with us. So I'd like to start out by asking you to share a little bit about yourselves. Maybe we'll start with Dr. Wong about how you um, moved forward in your career to this point where you now started to entertain pragmatic trials and uh, uh, considered applying for the, the pilot award through impact and what your impetus was for that. Sure. So I consider myself primarily a researcher. Um, I am an emergency physician. And with that, I'm, I focused my career on improving the quality of care that older adults receive in the emergency department. Um, I've seen older adults really as a vulnerable population amidst the crowding that we have in emergency departments. And as such, um, over the span of my research career, um, have come to realize that just generating the evidence or um, evaluating impacts is not necessarily enough because people are craving for change. Uh, when I say people, I'm referring to the clinicians. And sometimes I think the quickest way you can really address the needs or the demand for change, especially as our population is aging in the emergency department, um, is really to move forward with implementation of actual programs and initiatives that occur in real time while patients are in the emergency department. And so um, while I'm not an implementation scientist expert, I've come to realize that pragmatic trials are probably the most practical and the most effective and the quickest way to really implement change while also doing the research. Great. And Dr. Forrester, would you like to uh, share uh, your particular bent on this question as well? Sure. Um, so again, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm a geriatric psychiatrist by training and by clinical practice and clinical research over the past, you know, two decades plus. And my interest specifically in the population of individuals with dementia um, comes out of my experience caring for many individuals with dementia, helping to support their families in almost every imaginable level of care, uh, hospital-based settings, long-term care settings, and, and individuals living at home. 
And the driver of the morbidity and mortality even that we've seen, that I've seen over the course of my career with dementia, is really related to the profound behavioral symptoms that are nearly universal in the course of Alzheimer's disease. And these symptoms include agitation, aggression, depression, paranoia, and so forth. And it's not the memory loss or the cognitive problems that often exhausts and burns out family members from their caregiving duties, but it's really these behavioral symptoms that drive the burden of illness. And combined with that, I've noticed that the treatments that we currently have to help manage these symptoms um, that are so burdensome um, are minimal. In fact, the research to support behavioral interventions is modest at best, as well as the fact that the FDA has never approved a single medication to treat these behavioral complications of dementia, as heterogeneous as they are. And so over the past five years in particular, I've had the experience of that in my background uh, with leading a large effort across our healthcare system to bring teams of individuals into primary care practices to help support and manage common behavioral health conditions, mostly depression, anxiety, and substance use. But my ulterior motive, which I was sort of quiet about when I took on that role, was to really try to do something for those individuals with dementia in primary care. Because primary care clinicians, whether they know it or not, are in fact geriatric psychiatrists. They're seeing an increasingly aging population. The, the older population is being increasingly burdened by neurocognitive disorders like Alzheimer's disease. And then they're not equipped uh, given the current structure in primary care to effectively assess, diagnose, and treat uh, these individuals. So oftentimes individuals are not diagnosed or they're diagnosed quite late into the illness when it becomes more obvious there's a problem. Caregivers often don't know where to turn to support and care for their loved ones. And so I became very interested in the idea of doing practical embedded trials to understand what sorts of efforts could be brought to bear within a primary care setting to do a better job at assessing, managing, and treating people, keeping them home longer while maintaining their quality of life and managing safety. And I'd like to hone in on something you said there uh, uh, in that people are largely undiagnosed or underdiagnosed. I see that in my daily practice as a, a consultant in the hospital where we get a lot of people who are misdiagnosed with delirium who actually have dementia, or misdiagnosed with dementia who actually have delirium. Uh, and uh, Dr. Wang, your uh, pilot trial tries to get directly to some of this within the setting of the emergency room, which I find quite interesting because it is not usually a place where dementia is a focus. And so can you share a little bit more about your pilot trial and uh, uh, how you're seeking to attack that specific problem? So thanks for that question. And and I would say to you, actually, um, many emergency clinicians might say, wow, why are you thinking of having us assess or evaluate dementia in the emergency department, that's not an emergency. But but I would actually say, actually, uh, in this case, as our population ages, as we have more and more older adults come through the emergency department, um, and many who may come in with altered mental status, with um, confusion, with cognitive changes, it's gonna be important, more important for us from the emergency department to really be assured, uh, to reassure, to be aware that patients may be coming in with these um, cognitive uh, limitations. And the 
the challenge here now is even if they were to come in and we were to assess appropriately for it, is it delirium that we're seeing? Or is it, as you highlight, maybe underlying unrecognized cognitive impairment that may be more chronic? Um, I think the emergency department, uh, there's a lot of opportunities where we, I, I'd love to highlight that this actually is an emergency because even if we realize it's not delirium and we discharge the patient, if they have underlying cognitive impairment and we're discharging them and they don't understand the discharge instructions, we may have another emergency coming down the line. So um, that opportunity, the intersection of how in the emergency department, I think hopefully we'll be increasingly aware um, of the importance to assess for cognitive um, function is one that, that I think really harkens to the importance around geriatric emergency care. With our specific pilot here, what we're hoping to do is leverage two emergency departments that already do baseline geriatric screening in the emergency department to assess for delirium. Um, if we can add on to that um, additional flags potentially that might highlight, well, this may not just be delirium, but this may be something that's been going on a little bit longer in these patients. Is there an opportunity to pursue additional evaluation of these patients after they leave the emergency department? So connecting them now to um, neuropsychiatric evaluation, to geriatric psychiatric evaluation on an outpatient um, level. Many people might say, well, that's not exactly feasible either because even if we were to assess for this and realize that these patients may have um, cognitive limitations in the emergency department, we may not have access to clinics like that or assessments outpatient-wise. And the whole purpose of our pilot is to just really understand what's feasible and understand the prevalence, incidence, and uh, ability to um, screen, refer, and do a more uh, comprehensive evaluation outpatient-wise. And what would you say makes uh, th this pilot pragmatic? What is it making it more than kind of our traditional uh, efficacy-based model that you're trying to move for within the emergency department? So I think what we tried really hard to do to make this pragmatic um, was to leverage the fact that some of these interventions, I think you might say in this case, already being done in the emergency department. Um, so the assessment portion. So assessing delirium in our emergency departments, the two that we're going to be moving forward on, and many actually in the country, I might say, because more increasingly so, more and more emergency departments are incorporating geriatric specific assessments in the ED. But if you're already doing these types of assessment, can we now leverage that to make it into a pragmatic evaluation to further assess differences in terms of the implementation and the um, evaluation of, in this case, dementia for the emergency department. So um, we're not actually having research assistants go into the emergency department now and assess or screen for potential risk for delirium and dementia. This is already being incorporated into routine care. And what we're going to do now is then sort of move forward in terms of making it a pragmatic evaluation by which one's subsequently would be evaluated or not be evaluated through um, the pragmatic trial. So let, let's play this out a little bit. You now have a, a, an emergency department screening for cognition that is positive and they are referred and let's assume they make it to the referral for neuropsychiatric evaluation, neurologic evaluation, et cetera. And they're found to have somewhere between mild to moderate cognitive impairment uh, or mo moderate dementia. And now they need additional help because the Alzheimer's disease centers, the neurologists, the neuropsychologists um, are few and far between that specialize within dementia. 
And oftentimes our, our primary care providers, Dr. Forrester, as you mentioned, struggle with this. And our uh, neurologists don't have the bandwidth to take on the day-to-day management a lot of the time. So uh, Dr. Forrester, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about how you're envisioning tackling this for all these people who uh, will be getting the, the um, unfortunately, uh, diagnosed um, with this disease given our aging population and that aging is the number one risk factor for this uh, disease that we currently have no uh, effective uh, treatments for. So um, we are looking at this, as you were saying, um, as a pragmatic way to try to assess and manage individuals who are already being cared in primary care settings who may or may not have gone through the wonderful evaluation in the emergency room or in a specialty clinic and the diagnosis may be unknown, or perhaps the diagnosis is known and there are behavioral symptoms, cognitive uh, impairment and functional limitations that are um, you know, causing issues in the, in, in the person's life. So we've decided to adapt um, an ongoing existing program that exists within our healthcare system that grew out of our Medicare ACO. And through the Medicare ACO in the Mass General Brigham system, we've had for the past seven or eight years, a team called the Integrated Care Management Program. And this is a team of nurse care managers and social workers that are in the primary care settings to carry uh, a caseload of up to a couple hundred individuals. And if those individuals have um, social service needs, um, social determinants of health issues or psychiatric problems, they're assigned a social worker um, and they all have medical complexity. So they're all assigned a nurse as well. And we decided to leverage um, the nurse care managers who already existed in working with this population to train them on a specific model of care that involves the assessment and management and support for families of individuals with dementia. And that model is called the care ecosystem model that was developed by colleagues at the University of California in San Francisco. Their original model was actually studying healthcare navigators, but instead of introducing a new person or a new silo as a member of the team, we wanted to use existing personnel that were already working with these individuals who had dementia and medical complexity, but they didn't have the skills necessary for the appreciation of the subtleties of the cognitive problems, of how to assess and manage the behavioral symptoms, of how to reduce perhaps medications that might be causing some of the problems that the patients were experiencing in the first place. So we're going to be adapting these existing training modules from care ecosystem to train the nurse care managers within our healthcare system to assess and manage these individuals with dementia who are already on their uh, existing caseloads but are not having the needs specific to the dementia diagnosis met. One of the interesting commonalities that, that both of you have here is that you are leveraging an existing a very large uh, human resource structure in that you are both working with uh, nurses embedded within your systems to do a lot of the front-end care for this, both in terms of screening and in terms of disease management. How do you each envision, given that you are from different disciplines than those nurses, uh, working together to come up with models that work that are discipline specific 
even as you have a, an idea that that born out of your experience as physicians? Maybe uh, uh, Dr. Wang, if you wouldn't mind going first. Yeah, so I think that's an excellent um, point. And I think actually what I want to highlight, um, I think especially here with our examples, um, geriatric patient care, whether it's in the emergency department, in a psychiatric outpatient clinics, um, inpatient-wise, it's transdisciplinary. So it's it's really interdisciplinary in nature. And I think the opportunity to leverage that, um, in this case, we've brought forward who does primarily these cognitive, the first cognitive assessments in the emergency department? It's usually the ED nurses. And in this case, it's the bedside nurses. Um, I think to make it work and doable, even if it weren't a research study, um, which in this case, we're trying to make it a pragmatic trial, it's always important to incorporate an initiative that works with the workflow of the individuals. And so in this case, when bringing forward and thinking about, well, how are we going to incorporate some type of dementia screening? Um, the thought was, well, if the bedside nurse is already doing some initial delirium screening, so in this case, in our emergency departments, most of them, um, they've actually selected the screening tool, which is called uh, the delirium triage screen, and then the brief cam or the B-cam. If we can add on to that work that they're already doing, um, because they selected that instrument for delirium screening. And again, it was something they chose, not something that the physicians or somebody else said, do this. Whenever you have um, the discipline, in this case, the nurses decide what instrument to be implemented, that would work best. We're adding on a, another question focused around just memory changes or thinking difficulties in the prior year, which is, again, just going to be added right to this battery that they or the screening tool that they initially do. Um, the hope is that it's already integrated into their workflow. And Dr. Forrester? So similarly, um, the nurses in our program are already working with this population of individuals and know them, frankly, the best. Um, they've gotten to know them over time on their um, caseloads. And so what we're doing is we're going to take a few nurses that have been working in this program for many years. We're also going to take a few, as Dr. Wang was saying, geriatrics is an interdisciplinary um, field. And we need to work together, um, bringing in expertise from many different areas, including nursing, social work, physicians, psychologists, neuropsychologists, et cetera, um, to help with uh, better treatment of older adults. So in our case, we're gonna to bring together nurses with pharmacist and physician expertise in geriatrics to think about how we could design this training specifically that would be of use to the knowledge base already of a, of a nurse. Um, and specifically a nurse who's doing care management with this population already. We don't wanna meet them at a level which is above their head, which they wouldn't understand, that's not practical at all, nor do we wanna provide something way too basic that they already know how to do. But bringing in the expertise of nurses who really know what they know and know what they don't know to help us really redesign what's already been shown to be an effective intervention in a, in a, in a primary care setting. That's great, thank you. And so, as you move forward with this study, uh, each of you, can you share um, maybe very briefly first um, how you're going to be measuring success? And then if you are successful, what you see is the next step, logical step in moving forward with this work and getting 
care into healthcare workers in such a way where it is so needed given the the dearth across our disciplines. You know, you're talking about the geriatric nurse, a, a geriatric uh, psychiatrist, and a geriatric emergency room physician. That that's like a, a rainbow unicorn uh, occurring that in, in the same room that is so rare in the real world. So, how how do you advance that forward so that we are truly reaching our uh, target population, who in most cases is not going to have access to that expertise? Dr. Wang, do you want to go first, or do you want me? Sure. Um, so I'm actually going to measure success exactly as you described it. Um, if we have that opportunity whereby we best bridge um, across the discipline, so so the emergency department is not just viewed as a silo, um, that the outpatient referral, with the, whether it be neuropsychiatry or geriatric um, outpatient clinic evaluations, um, if the referral then to peace, uh, primary care, actually, which is the third component of our, pro, our of our program um, or our implementation here, if that can be seamless and if there's actually collaboration, I actually view that as success. Um, it's one of the things that we're hoping to try to measure um, in terms of just how far the patient can make it across these various silos. I think that's a really important uh, part of really making that unicorn not so much a unicorn, but more of a, a more common, a, more of a commonality whereby we, we uh, have greater collaborations across uh, our disciplines. So in terms of, in terms of success, um, I would say one thing I'll just say about our study design is we're going to be um, working with a group of at least 30 nurses uh, to start with, 15 of whom will be trained initially and starting the intervention, and then another 15 will be trained late. So we can then compare um, usual care in the population prior to the nurses receiving the training to the nurses who got the training early on. But I think for success for us, we have a number of clinical and healthcare utilization outcomes that we're interested in looking at. But if we can see a reduction in emergency room utilization. Of course, if they go to Dr. Wang's uh, emergency rooms, they may not be as worried as go to any emergency room, but um, we really wanna keep older people with dementia who really don't need to be in the emergency room out of the emergency room. And that was one of the findings from the original care ecosystem pilot. So certainly healthcare utilization in terms of ED visits and reduction. The second would be some of the clinical outcomes that we see as being really important which will be the degree of caregiver stress and burden. We wanna to try to alleviate that as much as possible. We wanna reduce these behavioral symptoms of dementia and improve quality of life ratings. And those are some of the meaningful clinical outcomes that we're looking for. And in terms of next steps, if we're able to do this in a population of individuals who are already being followed by nurse care managers because they're medically quite complex, to scale this in a larger way across our system and to compare it with usual care, and more of a traditional randomized control design, I'd like to be able to think about how to adapt this model that hopefully will, will be effective in what I just talked about um, with nurses who can be uh, available for not just those individuals with dementia and significant medical complexity, but all individuals with dementia at every stage of the illness. At every stage of dementia, there's an opportunity to reduce the burden of illness and reduce some of these not only high cost um, interventions like hospitalizations and emergency room visits, but also the adverse outcomes that come when people go into those, you know, higher utilization um, areas. And so let's say you, you two are both successful, as I'm sure uh, you will be as you complete your pilots. 
Um, what would you envision how you would put together a large scale trial to test this across multiple settings moving forward to really um, ensure that it has the evidence necessarily necessary to be implemented in real world practice and hopefully reimbursed for? So I'm happy to start. Um, so I'm very fortunate to also work with a wonderful network called the Geriatric Emergency Department Collaborative. It's a learning network of, so it's not a research group, but it's a learning network of um, emergency departments that are implementing geriatric emergency care initiatives. I think this would be the perfect group to work with because it's a spectrum of emergency departments ranging from academic to safety net hospitals, urban, rural emergency departments, emergency departments that are part of a large healthcare system, others that are standalone. Um, I think if we can really move forward with a clinical trial with multiple hospitals that have a wide representation of, um, I think, systems and types of healthcare settings, that would generate even more evidence that this is something that could be done in the real world. And that's my ultimate hope and goal for uh, where we might take this pilot. Um, I would be interested in um, in trying to um, initiate a randomized trial that would include usual care versus this intervention uh, across not only our own healthcare system, uh, but with other healthcare systems that may look very different than ours, because the implementation of this in our system, even within our system, there's so much variability in terms of the primary care practices that we have that are in an academic medical center based primary care practice versus those that are more, you know, 30 miles, 40 miles outside of the city in a more rural area. Um, I think having diversity of primary care practices, both from the patient population, but also from just the numbers of docs in the practice and the numbers of patients, the socioeconomic status and so forth, I think will really provide some really interesting questions that we could answer in a more large scale clinical trial. And at the end of the day, we need data from these trials to be able to support true policy change. If we're going to really have an impact on improving the quality of life and care for individuals with dementia, we have to change the way in which dementia care is reimbursed more globally. Uh, global payments, either through the uh, accountable care organization model or others that are being discussed in Washington, um, really there has to be tremendous reform in the way we think about caring for these individuals. There's been some small steps in the right direction, but not really large enough steps that you could really imagine this kind of intervention taking hold without policy change and law change to be able to allow for CMS to fund these kinds of integrated efforts for improving dementia care and, and reducing some of the uh, high cost um, and poor quality of life outcomes that we still see today. That's great. So uh, I think uh, we'll, we'll end up on a, a pragmatic note for our friends who might be interested in applying for one of these pilots in moving forward. Um, so what are a couple of key takeaways from writing and now uh, moving through the impact collaboratory uh, uh, process of writing a pilot for a pragmatic trial, what are what are a couple of pearls that you would share with individuals who are similarly writing proposals uh, of this nature? So happy to share a couple of pearls. Um, I think the first one is, I think 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 practically, but also think broadly. Um, in this case, when I 
initially brought up the idea, well, could we somehow do some dementia screening in the emergency department? I think the response uh, that many had was like, wow, that's never going to happen. Why would you do that? Um, we're, we shouldn't be screening for de- dementia in the emergency department. Well, we should screen if a person may be at risk for it. Absolutely. We're not going to be the first to diagnose it. We're not going to be the ones. We're not equipped to diagnose it, but we should be aware there might be patients at risk. And once you win over the champions and you the opportunity to really, again, make this a collaboration and so outreach to other departments, um, that was actually one of the, the, the best parts of writing this pilot. The opportunity to, to work with, with others and thinking about, wow, what if we tried this? What if we did this? Uh, it was, it actually made this pilot probably one of the most fun proposals that I've written. And, and Ab, I think I mentioned this to you and I wasn't paid to say this, but it was actually a really fun process to, to think about, well, what can we do to actually improve care in, and actually make real world, world change? So, um, I think those are some of the quick pearls that I would, I would say on my end. Yeah. So similarly, I would say that um, this has been one of the most rewarding proposals I've put together. Um, Like Dr. Wang, I'm not an implementation scientist. Um, I've done a lot of clinical trials uh, in a more traditional sense, Um, but I've learned um, that the key to doing anything um, successful or useful or to have an impact in clinical research is to have collaborations with individuals who have areas of expertise that are not your own. Um, And so for this particular proposal, Um, I needed to collaborate with our implementation science group within the Department of Medicine at Mass General and the Mongan Institute led by Dr. Steve Bartels. And I uh, have worked closely in that effort with Dr. Christine Ritchie, who came from UCSF and is now in Boston uh, to work with me on this. And she's very familiar with the care ecosystem work from her time at UCSF. The other really key collaboration is with the integrated care management team within our own population health program. And even though I was a member of that program and co-medical directors with the leader of that program, we'd never worked together on anything um, in this sort of intense way as we have uh, in putting this proposal together. So we not only needed buy-in from the integrated care management program leadership that this problem was worth pursuing within their patient population, but also their frontline nurse care managers had to also identify this as an area of need and growth opportunity for themselves. And when we went to them with this particular proposal, the nurse care managers, once we had vetted it with the integrated care management leadership, there was uniform support, interest in wanting to volunteer to participate. So I think getting the key stakeholders that you're going to be working with um, at the table is um, is really critical. The third critical group of um, collaborators and key stakeholders are the primary care clinicians themselves. Uh, because they're the ones who are aware of the challenges that they have in their practices. They may not be as aware of the more milder patients, but they certainly know the problems that occur over the course of the, um, of the illness uh, when people have dementia. So I think putting it together really, you know, the cross-collaboration was key and working with key stakeholders. And then the second thing I'll say, just in the experience of working with all of you from the Impact Collaboratory, you all have been very supportive every step of the way. I mean, you've been more... Um, hands-on that I've had in a supportive way from other organizations and even developing the idea and giving feedback on the on the initial proposal that's been extremely helpful and then of course once funded um, helping us through the whole regulatory process of IRB etc has been really really helpful as well well I like you said I I did not pay either of you to say those things (laughs) but but appreciate it I our goal within the collaboratory, because this is really a 
different set of skills that that many folks within the 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 geriatrics or ADRD dementia world have not uh, traditionally uh, focused on in, in using uh, performing pragmatic trials um, is something that um, we hope to provide technical assistance to individual investigators, both through our pilot program as well as through our grand rounds and now a career development award that uh, uh, has been issued as well so that we can uh, help to bring uh, a scientist from across the spectrum and across different uh, 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 disciplines and areas together to really get dementia care expertise and, and into the hands of those that are providing care at the bedside, uh, whether that's a true bed or a telephone or a primary care practice or uh, otherwise. And so... Uh, we're so uh, excited to have you be our uh, inaugural pilots for the pilot core and pilot program of the Impact Collaboratory and look forward to all of your successes. And thank you for taking the time to join us today to, to share a little bit more about your projects as well as about your experience working with the uh, Collaboratory. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Honored. Thank you for listening to today's Impact Collaboratory Grand Rounds podcast. Please be on the lookout for our next Grand Rounds and podcast next month.